right, somebody had a birthday on Saturday. Yeah, it's a, so, but also in addition to it being Erica's birthday, it's also October, which October is Pastor Appreciation Month. So we wanted to take a moment, and if I could just say, the person that holds student ministry together besides our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is indeed Erica Thomason. All right, she, she is, and our D group leaders, but Erica is the brains behind what we do. Uh, she's the one that says, hey, Adam, we should really be thinking about this. And I'm like, you know what? We really should. Thank you for putting that on my radar now. And there's just a lot of things that Erica does, not because it's a job description thing, but it's just out of like the overflow of who she is. She really, truly, deeply cares about every single student here in this student ministry, and she pours her heart and soul into everything that she does. And if you know her for any amount of time, you know that Erica is so incredibly intentional with everything that she does, every conversation she has, every outing that she does. Um, she's super intentional and relational in that, and it's, I'm very thankful to be working with her because she seriously um, holds this thing together. So anyway, we're very thankful for Erica. I wanted to take a moment and pray over her. Um, for just Pastor Appreciation Month, it's one of it's kind of like parenting and teachers, where it's just kind of like a thankless job for a lot of a lot of time. You pour a lot of yourself out whenever you're in ministry, and I um, just want to pray um, over her. So if you're willing and able to just stretch out your hand towards Erica, there's nothing magical about this. It's just a way for us to show Erica that we're with you. And we're praying with you. So if you could hold your hand out towards Erica, we're going to say a prayer real fast. Lord, we thank you for Erica, Lord, and the work that she does here at LCF. Um, God, we are grateful for the heart and soul that she puts into everything that she does. And um, it's just a reflection of, of you, God, that you... Um, just provide so much um, in the person of Erica, and we are thankful um, that you've put her into our lives and in this ministry, Lord, and I pray that you would um, refresh her, God, that as she just continues to pour out, God, that you would just continue to make her profoundly effective for your kingdom, Lord. We thank you um, that we just get to be in relationship with Erica, and it's uh, in your name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, Erica. Happy birthday. Someone said my name. You said me? In three days? It's Quentin's birthday in three days, I think. He could have made that up completely, and I just... Okay. All right. All right. All right. We're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Some would say classically, and that's wrong, but funny. Um, but Ecclesiastes chapter eight. <laughs> what? I did. I did last in middle school. I said a class Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter eight. Go ahead and make your way there. I 
I did, we're at 13% now. It was at 1% when I finished last at middle school, so neat. And, uh, yep. All right, as you're making your way there, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, I do want to start with the big idea today, just kind of the overall main idea, main theme of what we're talking about. All right, I'm losing you. We just started. This isn't going to be long, I promise to. This is a short message. I want to spend some time in D groups. Um, but the big idea, the main theme tonight is that as followers of Jesus, we are to live within the limits to the limit. We're going to talk about what that means here in a little bit, but I do want to read the passage, Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 1 through 13. It says this, Who is like the wise person, and who knows the interpretation of a matter? A person's wisdom brightens his face, and the sternness of his face is changed. Keep the king's command because of your oath made before God. Do not be in a hurry. Leave his presence, and don't persist in a bad cause, since he will do whatever he wants. For the king's word is authoritative. And who can say to him, what are you doing? The one who keeps a command will not experience anything harmful, and a wise heart knows the right time and procedure. For every activity there is a right time and procedure, even though a person's troubles are heavy on him. Yet no one knows what will happen, because who can tell him what will happen? No one has authority over the wind to restrain it, and there is no authority over the day of death. No one is discharged during battle, and wickedness will not allow those who practice it to escape. All this I have seen, applying my mind to all the work that is done under the sun, at a time when one person has authority over another to his harm. In such circumstances, I saw the wicked buried. They came and went from the holy place, and they were praised in the city where they did those things. This, too, is futile. Because the sentence against an evil act is not carried out quickly, the heart of people is filled with the desire to commit evil. Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, I also know that it will go well with God-fearing people, for they are reverent before him. However, it will not go well with the wicked, and they will not lengthen their days like a shadow, for they are not reverent before God. Let me pray for us. God, we ask that you would bring clarity to this passage, Lord, that you would help us to um, gain understanding as to what you want and desire for us, Lord, as a result of this passage. I pray that you would guide and direct my thoughts, Lord, and, and I just ask that as we just continue to look to your word, that you would um, be honored and glorified in it. God, we love you, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. As a way to introduce what we're going to uncover, I want to share just a brief story of a, a guy named Helmuth. He's from Germany. He was drafted to work in counterintelligence in Nazi Germany. Yet his Christian faith made him a resolute opponent against Adolf Hitler. Although he believed it would be wrong for him to use violent force against the Nazis, Helmuth used his high position to rescue many prisoners from certain death. And not surprisingly, Eventually, he was accused of treason and sentenced to die. And in his final letter home to his beloved wife, Helmuth described the dramatic moment at his trial when the judge launched into a trade against his faith in Christ. And he says, Only in one respect does the national socialism resemble Christianity. And he said, We demand the whole man. That we demand the whole man. 
Then the judge asks the accused to declare his ultimate loyalty. From whom do you take your orders, and from the other world or from Adolf Hitler? Where lie your loyalty and your faith? See, I think this guy knew exactly where his loyalty lied. He had put all of his hope and trust in Jesus, and therefore he stood before the earthly judge as a Christian and nothing else. His faith enabled him to act wisely in government service, and then it enabled him to act wisely when he faced his final hour. And as a believer in Jesus, Helmuth understood the difference between the proper exercise of authority while being also under the abuse of power. He also knew the wise course of action when he was under someone else's control and in danger of his very life. See, this is a great example of someone who lived his life to the limit within the limits. And that's, I'm going to revisit our big ideas. As followers of Jesus, we are to live within the limits to the limit for the glory and honor of Jesus. So how do we do this? How do we live our life within the limits, like respecting the boundaries and authority God has placed over us? And how do we live that life to the max or within the boundaries that God's placed? We see this on a grand scale with with Helmuth, but what about in our everyday lives, such as at school and at home or at your job, whatever the case is? How do we live within the limits to the limit for the glory and honor of Jesus? So um, we're going to talk a little bit about something that's automatically going to make some defenses come up. We're going to talk about authority, and we've talked a little bit about this when it, we've went through the series in First Peter, but I do want you to kind of turn to your neighbor and just kind of refresh yourselves. What are a few examples of authority that God has placed in your life or maybe uh, in the life of your peers? What are some authorities that God has placed in your life? Turn to your neighbor and talk about those different areas of authority. All right, let's... Uh, List off, what are some examples of authority God has placed over in your life or in, the, in your peers' lives? What are some examples of authority? D-group leaders. I like that. that we had that one last, last session, too. Amen. Let's close in prayer. <laughs> that was all we really needed. Listen to us. <laughs> Teachers? Yeah. School administrators, parents, bosses and supervisors, president of the United States, Adam. I didn't want to say it, but you're right. Uh, <laughs> yep, Josiah. God. Yes, amen. It's hmm. good. Coaches, police officers. Yep. These are all great examples. I'm glad we understand. These are the people God has placed in our life. Sometimes those uh, areas of authority shift and change a little bit. Whenever you graduate school, your school administrator is not going to be at the level of authority that they are now. But as you graduate school and you head into new seasons, you're going to kind of have this myth that, oh, this next season of life is when I'm going to like experience freedom, like college. And then you're going to be in college, and you're going to be like, ah, professors, <laughs> papers and stuff, exams. And then you're going to be like, oh, I can't wait till I graduate. Then I'm going to have so much freedom. And then job. 
And then, or maybe parents' basement, <laughs> like, ah, mom and dad again, <laughs> you know. Um, but I hope sometimes that is the case. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying, been there, done that, got the T-shirt, right? But, you know, hey. But anyway, we're just going to have like this, we're always going to have authority over us, whether it be from, from school, school administration, or from coaches to bosses, um, it's just going to like, there's always this season where we just think we're going to have this freedom, but the finish line always moves and we're always duped into thinking that like now I just wish I could just experience freedom, but it's, you have ultimate freedom within the boundary God has placed in your life. It's this example of your backyard may have a fence and like your dog doesn't understand the realities of what's outside of the fence, but your dog has full reign and freedom within the boundary to experience the goodness that is a backyard. It's outside of the boundary where it's like, I can't protect you anymore outside of this boundary. And God has these authorities placed in our lives for such a time for us to live wisely, that we need to live wise. And God's placed authority in our life to help us in that. And it's like God has placed this fence that we can like, you have ultimate freedom within the boundaries that God's placed for us and it's found in his word. And sometimes we just think, man, I just, you know, that those defenses come up when it's like, yeah, but I'm a, my own person and I should be able to make decisions for myself. And we're going to talk about why that's a little harmful here just in, in a second. But so what do we do with this? I have two things and they're not, they're not groundbreaking. I don't want to mean, I don't mean to oversimplify some of this, but this is just stuff that we find in scripture. So what do we do with this? First that we need to do is that we need to submit to the authority God has placed over us. We need to submit to authority. And we don't like that word at all, but we need to submit to authority. Verses two through four say, keep the king's command because of your oath made before God. Do not be in a hurry. Leave his presence and don't persist in a bad cause since he will do whatever he wants. For the king's word is authoritative and who can say to him, what are you doing? See, we're called as followers of Jesus to submit to God-given authorities. We've talked about it before, but we're called to submit to them. It includes your parents. It includes your teachers, your coaches, D-group leaders, family members. And ultimately, the passage says that this, things will go well for you in this, is that you have full freedom within the boundary God has placed in your life. It's outside of that boundary that we try to step and say, but I can do things on my own where it's like you're not going to be acting wisely in that. Our first duty is obedience. Whenever we're called to submit, we're also, we're, we're supposed to obey. And we need to ask ourselves, whenever you see a rule that's just wonky or you just don't want to follow that because of the person themselves or because you think the rule is stupid or whatever the case is. It's that you need to ask yourself, can I obey in this? Can I obey in this? Not do I want to obey or do I feel like obeying? It's can I obey? See, I find myself struggling with this when I let my emotions become dictators instead of indicators. I will base my emotion, like what I'm feeling, as if it's absolute truth. But if I'm honest, 
Some days I'm patient. Other days I'm not patient. Some days things can roll off me easy, and other days I'm high-strung and short-fused. Authority, when left to my current emotions, will always be met with resistance. But if I look at authority through the lens of what God says, that is unwavering and very consistent. God's word doesn't change. My emotions are flaky and they can't be trusted. My emotions change so much that it could really be, I could feel one way just because I didn't get enough sleep the night before. Right? If, we're, if my emotions are so wishy-washy based off of a small change in my schedule, based off of how much sleep I did or didn't get, then my emotions can't be trusted. But God's word can be trusted. And that's why we can look to it for the authority that is placed over us, is that it does not change. Now, I do want to revisit in verse 3, which is something a little peculiar. When Scripture tells us in verse 3 to not leave in a hurry... Solomon's not telling us how fast to walk when we leave, like the White House. But in the ancient world, an audience with the king was really a matter of life and death. Like through the life of Esther, went into the throne room of King Ahasuerus. She was putting her life in his hands, saying, if I perish, I perish. And in this cultural context, a, a hasty departure or like leaving in a hurry from the throne room was really a sign of disrespect to the king in a way of turning one back on authority. So Solomon's not saying that we never have a duty to disobey the government in order to fulfill a higher obligation to God, but he's telling us not to be hasty to walk away from any authority that God has put in place. So first, we're to submit to authority. Secondly, we are to fear God. And you may have heard a number of messages about fearing God. Um, just to visit it briefly is not to um, be so scared that you're not able to approach God, but that we have this reverent respect, like a deep respect for God. Verses 12 through 13 say, Although a sinner does evil a hundred times and prolongs his life, I also know that it will go well with who? In verse 12, it will go well with who? God-fearing people, for they are reverent before him. However, it will not go well with the wicked, and they will not lengthen their days like a shadow, for they are not reverent before God. Does it ever seem like the people that do wrong in this life have an easy life? And the people that try to do right, everything just keeps going wrong? Yes. <laughs> it's, it's a peculiar thing why this happens. But it feels like the person that tries to live a stand-up life is the one that encounters all the hardship. And Solomon says something very interesting, though. He says, I also know that it will go well with God-fearing people. He's not saying you're going to live a prosperous life, you're going to be rich, you're going to have the boat, you're going to have the American dream, but ultimately, it will go well for God-fearing people, for they are reverent before him. We must know that God is worthy of reverence. And I don't know if we really take the time to 
actually sit in reverence of God. Like I'm trying to even consider like, what would that look like? What do we actually hold to such a reverent position in our life? And I think we'd be very shocked and discouraged as to what we place on the altar that has ultimate worth in our life. The throne that is rightfully God's. But we put other things, we put people, places, and things on this throne of ultimate worth where we actually hold other things besides God as reverent and ultimate worth. God is worthy of our reverence. And we have a coming judgment that we rightfully deserve. And that judgment for those that trust in Jesus is, that judgment is placed fully on on Him. That, That God did not hold back anything from His wrath and was placed fully on Jesus. He didn't reserve any of His wrath and held it back because He knew you were going to mess up. He placed the wrath that was fully deserving towards us and He placed it fully on Jesus. God is worthy of reverence. And if we trust in Jesus, that judgment that is coming is placed fully on him so that we can be in relationship with God. We are to fear him and have reverence for him and to sit in awe of his presence and to worship him and to place him on the throne of ultimate worth and value and not other things. So in an attempt to tie this all together, as followers of Jesus, you will be living your life to the limit when we live within the limits. Is that we live ultimately free within the boundary that he's placed over us and we live our life to the fullest in that way. He's worthy of our worship. He's worthy of reverence. When we submit to the authority placed over us by God, we have freedom and the world notices Whenever we live a life that is different, when we live a life that is fully aware of the authority placed over us and that we try to honor the Lord in that, the world notices something different and peculiar and they'll do something that opens the door for you to share why you do what they do. And they will say, why do you do that? Why do you have joy in this situation? Why, why are you acting this way? And they're giving you an open door to share Why it is that you have hope in the midst of sorrow? Why do you have joy when hard times come? We have an opportunity in this to live our life to the limit within the limits that God has placed over us. So let me um, pray for us. I'm going to dismiss you guys to your D groups, and then uh, we'll give you further instruction after that. Let's pray. God, we, we thank you for the authorities that you've placed over our life. And God, in the moment, we may not like it, we may scoff at it, we may curse it, but ultimately, God, you, in your wisdom, in your guidance, you have given us a limit and a boundary, Lord, and in our hearts, we are so prone to wander or to want to go outside of that boundary, God, help us to know how to live within your limit. God, give us wisdom in how to handle 
situations with parents or with work or school. God, help us to handle those situations with wisdom and with guidance, Lord. God, we need your help in this. And I pray over our D groups that you would just help us, Lord, to have authentic community where we can share without fear of um, just being real with each other, Lord. So, Father, we ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.